Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling from the Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is episode three. Now, I just want to take a second to thank everyone who's downloaded the episode. Last week, we had 50 total downloads. Now we are at 110 at the time of recording. So I just want to say thank you to all who's downloaded. And if you haven't downloaded or if you know you know any wrestling fans, share my podcast with them. Wrestling from the Crowd. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can also uh, message me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Wrestling From. It doesn't let me make it any longer, but at Wrestling From, it'll bring you right to my Twitter. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to talk about current storylines, brand new storylines. We even have NXT UK, which is back, so I'm also going to cover NXT UK in this week's episode. That's going to be like a reoccurring thing now since NXT UK is back, so we're going to talk more about NXT UK. So we're going to kick this off how we always kick this off. We're going to kick it off with Raw. We've seen Raw start with Drew McIntyre. Also, Dolph Ziggler was on commentary. Raw has been switching their commentary team a lot. I don't know if it's because of certain things they're doing or different storylines, but this week we see Ziggler on commentary. Um, Drew comes out, talks about Randy Orton, his attacks. He also says he has a fractured jaw, which I think is real. I don't think the fractured jaw is a fake gimmick or a fake storyline. I mean, it might not be real, and if it's not real, they're playing really good on it. But basically, Drew just speaks about his attack, you know, or in just hurting him from behind constantly, all the punt kicks. And then he talks about him coming back last week in an ambulance and delivering three claymores throughout the night. It was said that Orton has a messed up jaw as well. Drew also states that their match at Clash of Champions, he wants it to be an ambulance match. We all seen that coming with Drew's return in an ambulance. He also showed the same thing Orton showed when he showed his promo. I think it was about two weeks back, Orton showed everyone in a hospital bed who he's ever punt kicked. And then Drew used that same image, but then he changed all the faces. I thought that was pretty funny. Then Adam Pearce comes out. He says that Randy Orton might be unable to compete at Clash of Champions. So he tells Drew, hey, Keith Lee's going to fight you tonight. If Keith Lee wins, he He's going to take Randy Orton's spot at Clash of Champions. Now, what's the odds that Randy Orton is really hurt? What's the odds that we won't see him at Clash of Champions? I mean, I would like to see Keith Lee inside Clash of Champions, but Randy earned that opportunity, so I think we're going to see Randy. I don't think we're going to see Keith Lee take that spot just yet. They're going to give Keith Lee his shine. It might not be right now. It might be in a triple threat match. No one knows what's going to happen down the line, so... Let's see where that goes. After that, we've seen Street Profits versus Nakamura and Cesaro. We've seen last week that they came and they interrupted uh, Street Profits saying that, you know, you guys are a joke. We want to fight champion versus champion Monday. So that's what they're doing right now. The, the SmackDown champion started off quick. They had a huge uppercut by Cesaro and quick tag team moves. Uh, I want to say that Cesaro is fantastic in the ring. Cesaro's impressed me ever since I've seen him, and he's debuted in the WWE. So the the fact that they keep giving him tag team titles and stuff, it kind of gets me upset. I wish he would get a singles title. It's just not happening right now. Uh, hopefully we see that soon. We've seen a lot of good spots in this match. We've seen Montez attempt a top rope suicida to Cesaro and Nakamura to the outside. But then they catch him, and then they throw him super high up that he comes down crashing onto the barricade. And that that spot changed the match. It changed the complexion of everything. I thought that was a great spot. 
uh, kudos to Montez for taking that because that would have hurt me if I took that. The match was back and forth. We've seen Street Profits take this match a little more serious than they've taken many of their other matches. So mid-match, we've seen Montez go for a finishing frog splash, but Nakamura puts up his knees. Then Cesaro catches him and throws him up into a beautiful uppercut. And for him to go that high off of just pushing off of Cesaro shows great athleticism. Towards the end of the match, we see Cesaro and Montez, they're on the top rope, where Cesaro hits a super suplex from the top but Dawkins ends up hitting a blind tag on Montez to then hit a frog splash onto Cesaro and then they pick up the win what was the point of having them pick up the win besides Cesaro and Nakamura? You were supposed to make Cesaro and Nakamura look like the stronger tag team. Raw doesn't need that much more of a push anymore. SmackDown has the tag teams that need the push. This match was overhyped. I, I thought that, you know, they was like, yeah, these are two champions. They're going to fight. It's going to be a great match. It was an okay match. Cesaro and Nakamura, they look strong. Dawkins and, and Montez didn't look super strong, but they should never picked up the win. Now that just drops the stock value of Nakamura and Cesaro as a tag team. Now, now what happens here? Now they're going to fight someone else like Lucha House Party and lose the tag team titles? I hope not because that just plays down on the story or whatever buildup they were trying to do for Nakamura and Cesaro. So I, I hope they don't mess them up after this. I hope this loss doesn't go far affect them as a tag team down the line because I think they can be a really good tag team together. I think they'll probably win sometime if, at Survivor Series if they're holding the titles that long. So we'll just have to wait and see where that plays out. Uh, we also had a backstage segment where Lana was talking to Garza about Mickey James not deserving a title shot. Then Zelina and Andrade come around and Zelina axes uh, Lana to leave. Lana instantly leaves. I don't think she wanted any problem. Garza said that he's tired that every time Golden Boy loses, it's never his fault. Then they proceed to argue. So we've seen that they had cracks for weeks, and now I think that it's just time for it to implode. They're 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 done with each other. They don't want to be a team anymore. Zelina says she can't take it. Zelina just walks out, and then they both look at each other like, "Look at what you did." Now Zelina's gone, and then they both proceed to fight each other. That's that that's it. This team has to be done. There's no way you're gonna recover from you guys fighting each other. This is done. I hope that we can see a singles match between both of them because they're both phenomenal. So I hope that we can see a singles match. Don't keep them as a tag team anymore. I'm not really into them being a tag team. Let Zelina do her own thing. Let Andrade do his own thing. He was champion before. Let's make him a champion again. And if you want, give Garza something else. You could trade Garza to SmackDown if there is a trade. And that way, Garza could pursue something else. Then, we've seen Cedric Alexander with the Hurt Business versus Ricochet. The Hurt Business has a new theme song. It sounds like Jaws, and I was like, what is that? But then, I got into it a little bit, so I'm not really mad at it. MVP says that the Hurt Business is booming. Lashley's the CEO. Shelton is the upgrade from the gold standard to the platinum and Cedric has completed his W9s so Cedric is now bringing in the money I, I like the Hurt Business as I said a couple episodes ago I like the Hurt Business I like the direction they're going I like who they're adding I like the talent in that group I hope to see this group go farther and hopefully Cedric's career gets a little kickstarter off this group I think MVP's done a great job of bringing you know lower card talent not saying that he has no talent but people who were under the radar who people were overlooked MVP has been bringing a lot of those guys up we didn't see a lot of guys like Apollo or Ricochet or you know Cedric Alexander until MVP came along and brought those guys back up so we see Cedric try to cut a promo after MVP says what he has to say but then gets interrupted by Apollo and Ricochet which Ricochet calls 
Cedric weak-minded and says he has to live with all the decisions he's made. You know, they, they had a friendship and Cedric seen what was best for him and, and he took it. He took what he thought was best and took advantage of it. Ricochet said it. He's hurt. He said they didn't come out here to beg why, you know, why did you do this? Why, why, Cedric? He said, no, you thought getting beat by the Hurt Business was bad? Well, now we coming for you. And then they rushed the ring and that's how the match starts off with him and Cedric Alexander. It started off pretty fast paced and then the match ended up outside where the Hurt Business got involved because Apollo got involved. And after that, Eric came out. We all know Eric has some history with helping Cedric against the Hurt Business. Eric came out alone because Ivar's injured. Ivar, I guess, messed something up in his neck. Now he requires surgery, so we won't see Ivar for a while. But... Then we see, you know, a more aggressive Cedric. Cedric took advantage of every opportunity he had. And I like this Cedric. I like the, the aggressive Cedric. I like the Cedric who doesn't care, who's not going to hold back, who's going to use anything to his advantage. We've seen uh, a quick exchange. We've seen uh, Ricochet try to go for a shooting star press or either his 630. But since he knew he wasn't going to land it, he landed on his feet. As he lands on his feet, he runs back to Cedric who hits the Michinoku driver and gets the two count. After they get up, Cedric just immediately puts him in a lumbar check to pick up the victory i'm glad cedric won i'm glad that ricochet didn't win because it wouldn't make any sense to the story the story is cedric betrayed them so he can be better and if ricochet won then what was the point of betraying him that means ricochet would still be better than cedric and that's not what they want to go off of after that we've seen retribution appear on the screen they shoot their promo they say they're a product of empty promises and the result of lies that when you sell your soul to a corrupt machine you become corrupt and now these are guys who believe that you know their time at the pc was nothing they thought their time at the pc would lead to you know fame and wealth but it didn't so now they want revenge for being underutilized and having their fame and fortune stripped from them and that's what Dominic Dijakovic says, we all know it's Dijakovic already. There's no hiding it anymore. He sounds like General Grievous with that voice changer from Star Wars. You know it's him. So they're basically just upset that they were underutilized. They weren't at that stardom level that they should have been at. And I understand that because most of them are really good. Dominic Dijakovic is fantastic. He's feud with Keith Lee so many times in NXT. And I don't know why they didn't give that man another title shot or give that man a title. So I understand why Retribution feels the way they do. So backstage, we see Mickey James. Mickey James says she loves the business. She's poured everything into the business. She's given it everything she had. And this match with Asuka could be her last match. And I agree. Mickey James has been in this business for years. She's a six-time women's champion. How long does she have left? Can she keep up with the newer talent that we have today? That's that's yet to be tested. But she feels like this could be her last match. Uh, we see Adam Pierce yelling at his security in the back because Retribution. Then he gets interrupted by the Hurt Business who say, Listen, you got these boys. You need real men. Adam Pierce is like, You know what? You're right. You're hired. And MVP is like, Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't do hiring. We're not doing charity work. We're going to just help you. And so now we're going to see her business as security. Um, I, I find that pretty funny, but I want to see where it goes because her business is all about fighting. 
So I'm glad to see that they're going to put them more in that retribution storyline. We see Asuka and Mickey James take to the ring for the Raw Women's Championship match. Mickey James hasn't held the championship in 10 years. Could this be her night? The match starts off really fast paced. Asuka throws a hip attack early to get countered by Mickey James who hits the chick kick. I thought it was over from there, but then Asuka rolls under the ring. This match was fantastic it was back and forth a lot of near falls there was one thing that caught my eye it was mickey james she threw a chick kick she missed it but asuka still sold it anyway so that's great ring awareness by asuka and you know on mickey james part for keep going and she didn't stop she didn't be like oh you know i messed up let me do something else she kept it going she went for the pin it was a fantastic match through and through the ending was just not what i wanted so we seen asuka lock in the asuka lock and then mickey james doesn't even tap but the referee ends the match and mickey james face was like wait what like what happened and i'm pretty sure everyone else who was watching was like this is is crazy the ending just didn't appeal to me i don't know if that was done on purpose it was done by accident maybe she sold it a little too well but that was the ending and i don't think that's how it should have ended would i love to see a rematch between these two i would love to i thought this felt like a title match this was probably one of the best women's matches i've seen on raw in a while so i'm glad that these two gave it their all i hope to see it again so far this is the best match of the night so far we'll have to wait to see what the rest of the matches bring us we've seen zelina Vega then come out. She says she's tired of playing the manager and she should be focused on herself. And now she wants Asuka's title. Then proceeds to smack Asuka. Zelina Vega wants a title. I've been saying Selena needs to wrestle for a long time. She doesn't need to be a manager. She needs to fight. And I'm glad now they're giving her a chance to fight for something. So I hope to see where this goes. Zelina's not bad. Zelina's really good. I hope that Zelina can make this a, a, a stepping stool for her career and I hope this plays out very well. Backstage segment led to Keith Lee. He's talking about, you know, his potential title match with Drew. Him and Drew have history. And they knew this time would come. They knew that they would have to fight one day. Charlie also asked Lee. She said, are you going to, you know, play off that injury? And he says, no, he's my friend. But like I said, if I have to do it, I have to do what I must do. So Lee is going for like a little heel non-heel role and i like it it's better than having lee as a baby face we have a lot of baby faces right now but lee going to that direction i think is pretty good i want to see what they have in store for drew and lee we see bobby lashley and eric take the ring mvp is now in commentary someone new no more Dolph ziggler this match wasn't long at all it played out exactly how i thought it was gonna play eric had a little bit of offense his major offense was his regular patented knee and scream in the face and two shotgun knees other than that bobby lashley destroyed him he made him look weak and then he put his full nelson on him and tapped him out it was a quick match i didn't expect any less mvp talked longer than this match was then we head to a backstage segment with kevin owens kevin owens is asked like why is black so upset with you kevin owens says you know Maybe it's something I said on my show, or maybe Hot Topic, you know? Maybe they didn't honor his 40% off coupon. I thought that was a pretty funny thing to say. Uh, Owens, you know, he's done with the segment, and then Black appears behind him. I don't know why they had this happen. He also had a little scythe on his eye. His eye is clearly not messed up. Maybe they're still playing off the Monday Night Messiah trying to take out his eye. After this segment, we've seen Braun Strowman standing at Raw Fight Club's door, and he's telling Shane he's pissed off and he wants to fight. So then Shane McMahon says, hey, Hey, you want to fight? Let him in. 
After that, they went over to the next match, which was Seth Rollins versus Dominic in a steel cage match. Is this the match to end their rivalry? Is this the end of Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins? Before the match even began, they panned to the back where we've seen Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy speaking. Seth says, you know, what happened? You know, I haven't seen you forever. I just want to put the past behind us and just look towards the future. So Buddy's Buddy's pretty happy. He's like, okay, we're good. You know, I'm not in trouble anymore. Then Seth Rollins says, says I have something special for you I have a really important task buddy says you know I'll do anything I'm ready and then Seth Rollins smacks him and tells him your task is to stay back here because I don't want you ruining my night is this buddy Murphy's breaking point do you think buddy Murphy is still gonna be with Rollins after this Rollins is letting him know like you are nothing you are worthless you've cost me a match You've cost me a lot, and I don't want you in my corner. Then we see Dominic talking to his family. They're, you know, asking him, is he prepared? Is he okay? Is he ready? He says, yeah. Then they make their way down to the ring. Rollins comes down to the ring. Nobody, as we've seen backstage. The match starts off really fast, really good. They utilize the cage. Mid-match, we've seen Buddy Murphy pass Seth Rollins a kendo stick. Buddy wasn't supposed to be here. Seth Rollins said, hey, stay here. This is your task. But... Rollins didn't seem to care because he helped him and gave him a kendo stick. He utilized it, then Mysterio then brought out a kendo stick to give to Dominic. So now they're both intervening the match. A couple minutes later, Dominic is about to use the door and Rey Mysterio is helping him. He has the door open and Buddy catches him and attacks Mysterio from behind. And instead of turning around and looking, he slams the door in Seth Rollins' face who was going to win the match. That caused a distraction. That caused Dominic to capitalize. I thought Dominic was going to pick it up here, but he didn't. Then Dominic tries to escape from the top of the cage where Rollin brings him back in and plants him with the suplex into a falcon arrow then curb stomps him twice to pin him for the win now i think that was the perfect way to end this rivalry just end it with rollins winning he put over dominic in not the sense that he won but in the sense that he showed his ability as a wrestler and that he could hang with certain guys especially of the caliber of seth rollins after this match we've seen rollins beat on murphy he blames him he hits him with the door he yells how does that feel i know how it feels because you did it to me so he slams the door in his face because buddy did it to him then after that after he beats on him he walks over to dominic's mom angie and says you did a good job i hope she turns out better so he's saying that you know he gives his respect to Dominic. That was his respect to Dominic, saying, you know what? You did a good job. I just hope your daughter's a lot better. So now we got to ask the question, what's next for Dominic? What happens to Dominic? I, I personally, I don't know. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Do they put him in another feud? Does now he go back to feuding with Murphy? Does he side with Murphy? What happens to that? I guess we'll just have to wait and see where Dominic's career goes. Now, Raw Fight Club begins. We see Dolph Ziggler tap out some random on Raw Underground. Then, Riddick Moss steps up. Riddick Moss has been on Raw Underground for like 10 weeks in a row already. I think this is probably the only thing he's good at right now. We see him and Dolph Ziggler slug it out. Then, Dolph Ziggler throws the fakest uppercut I've ever seen. Like I said, Raw Underground makes wrestling look even faker than people already think it is. After that, we've seen Strowman just come in and destroy both of them. He's been pissed off. He's angry. He lost, you Universal title of the Roman Reigns and apparently now anyone from any brand could go to Raw Underground. I didn't know that was a rule before but I guess now they're implementing that now since Braun Strowman is there. But they cut to commercial then as commercial comes back they pan to a backstage segment where Drew McIntyre is being interviewed 
And he says that he saved Lee. When Randy Orton hit that RKO, if he didn't hit that Claymore, he would have lost. Then Lee comes out of nowhere and says, well, you shouldn't be back here slandering my name. Lee also says to him that now he has a bigger target than normal. So he begins to shove Drew constantly. Drew's like, don't do that. And Lee's a big guy. So he know he can fend for himself. He doesn't care. So he does it anyway. And then a brawl ensues. Then they're fighting. They're supposed to be friends, but they're brawling backstage. And they brawled for a really long time. Then they pan back to Raw Underground where Braun Strowman is still beating people up. Riddick Moss comes back for seconds and pays for it. He gets beat up again. And then for some reason, Titus comes out of nowhere and then drops Braun Strowman to the ground. Why does Titus want to fight him knowing he's pissed off? Don't know. But Braun Strowman gets right back up and then chokes him out. There was no point of you getting inside. You should just mind your business. You would have still been standing. So Raw Underground goes to a break. Then they pan to Aleister Black versus Kevin Owens. Aleister Black attacks Kevin Owens before the match even starts. You guys gotta remember, these guys were allies during the month Monday Night Messiah attacks. They were together and no one knows what really happened. They're trying to say that the Monday Night Messiah, the attacks, everything they did influenced Black to change who he was. And Aleister Black gets distracted by the retribution effects during the match and Kevin Owens picks up the win using the stunner. So does this end? I I don't really want to see this anymore. I'm not a fan of seeing Aleister Black versus Kevin Owens. Not now, maybe eventually down the line, but Just not now. I don't think it's the time for that type of feud. And then this match wasn't even that entertaining. I feel like these guys could put on an even better match than what they have been putting on. Then they pan to the back where we see Drew McIntyre taping up his hands for the match. Then Lee comes out of nowhere and says, we're not done yet. And then attacks him again. So they're brawling once again. Then Adam Pearce comes out of nowhere and breaks it up. And he says, if you guys don't want there to be a stoppage of a championship match at Clash of Champions, you guys better get it together. And they both stop brawling. After that, we head back to the ring to see a two-on-two match between the Riot Squad and Lana Natalia. We also see Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler on commentary. Uh, this was a fairly quick match. This was just a tune-up match for the Riot Squad. We see some great combos. Uh, we seen great communications from the Riot Squad. Then we see Nia and Baszler start to beat up Lana and Natalia. Nia carries Lana to the announce table where you can hear Lana literally screaming for some help, and then she gets Samoan dropped through the announce table. Like I stated last week, they have nothing to do with Natalia and Lana so now they're just being beat up on. Raw Fight Club continues. We see Braun Strowman still destroying people. Riddick Moss and Dolph Ziggler come back again to fight Braun Strowman. Then they get beat up once again. That's three times. We didn't see anyone different in Raw Fight Club this week. We've seen one jobber in the beginning get choked out by Ziggler and that's it. Then we see Big Baba Kato step up to Braun Strowman and Shane jumps in and says nope this is for next week. So you hyped it up and now we're, we're, we're like, okay, let's see Bobby Cato and Braun Strowman. And then he stops it. I, I just, I was so upset. Now we're moving on to the main event of Raw. We've seen Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre for a potential shot at Clash of Champions for the title if Randy Orton is unable to compete. We've seen Lee attack the jaw early. We knew he was going to go for it after they had fought so many times backstage. Uh, we also knew that this match wasn't going to be super long or it was going to be super flashy. 
both men just showed a lot of power. They just showed what they can do, just a little tad of what they're able to do. Then we've seen Retribution come out, ends the match. They attack Lee and McIntyre. They beat them down until we hear the Jaws theme song. We see the Hurt Business come out. Now, this is that the, the, the part that confused me the most. I thought they were just gonna, you know, take their jackets off and run away. They took their jackets off and they headed straight for a fight. And that was probably my favorite moment of the night. I'm actually enjoying the Hurt Business and the fact that they did this segment and they fought the Retribution for on how many ever guys there was. It was like 12. I'm happy to see that these guys are really stepping up and they're playing that character. Then we've seen Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee do a senton to the outside taking out everybody and Raw ended with both guys just staring at each other and Retribution on the ground. Raw this week was pretty good. Now we have the excitement of seeing Baba Kato versus Braun Strowman. We see an end of a rivalry between Seth Rollins and uh, Dominic Mysterio. Now we have to see what happens with Retribution. Does Retribution show themselves next week? Does Retribution keep attacking? Uh, we won't know until we see. Is Drew McIntyre Keith Lee done? Is Randy Orton going to come back? I just want to say that my favorite match of the night tonight was Mickie James versus Asuka. Like I said, probably one of the best female matches I've seen on Raw in a long time. So kudos to those two women. I thought that was the star of the show. That match put women's wrestling a little higher than people don't really put it as. So that's my match of the night. So now we're going to move on to a returning show, NXT UK. NXT UK, back after six months. UK opens up showing off a video package of all the people, all the wrestlers that's been gone for six months. You know, they all want to get back to action. They're also using the BT studio in London. That's where NXT UK is being held. NXT UK opens up with the general manager, well, the assistant general manager, Sid Scala, welcoming us back to NXT UK, where then he gets interrupted by Ilya Dragunov, who is the number one contender to Walter's UK Championship. Dragunov says he's been waiting six months. He's been under quarantine. He's been alone for six whole months. He wants to fight. Then we see Noam Dar come out and interrupt Dragunov saying, oh, you're crying, you're crying. And then Ilya Dragunov wastes no time doing a suicide dive onto Noam Dar and they just brawl until it's broken up. Then the assistant general manager announces that Ilya Dragunov versus Noam Dar will be the main event. So it's such a it's such a good start. You know, you got Dragunov who's the number one contender who was supposed to have that match with Walter many, many months ago, but COVID ruined it. So I'm glad that now they're picking back up where Dragunov left off. So our first match of the night was a tag team match between Gallus and Kenny Williams with Amir Jordan. There was a lot of quick tags, a lot of good starts to this match. Um, UK has a very unique style. It's a very different, slow style. Some matches are pretty fast. There's some guys who are really good high flyers, but there's a lot of technical, a lot of power, a lot of grapplers in UK. Um, they also mentioned that Kenny Williams wasn't doing so good as a singles competitor, so now he's trying out tag teams, because I was like, I don't remember him being with Amir Jordan, so I guess now they're putting him together with Amir Jordan. Um, Gallus showed a lot of power through this match. They turned the tide a lot of times. Uh, Williams had gotten a hot tag to change the match, but it only lasted so long. Gallus picked up the win using their tag team finisher. It's an insiguri into a power slam. They call it the double impact. I thought it was pretty cool. It's pretty simple, but it's cool. 
After Gallus picked up the victory, since they are the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, every tag team in NXT UK came out. Even Imperium was on the screen. I didn't even know NXT UK had that many tag teams, but they have a big tag team roster. Uh, after that match, they cut to a video package of Saxton Huxley. He's welcoming us to the end of times. Apparently, he's fighting Walter next week. He says he's going to open the floodgates on Walter. So, I'm glad to see that Walter is going to be back in the UK wrestling once again. After that video package, we get a promo from Kaylee Ray. She's talking about defending her title against Piper Nevins. She also says that they go way back and they've defined women's wrestling in the UK. It's the first time in a long time that the women's UK championship is going to be defended on TV, so that's a good thing. Uh, Piper Nevins then interrupts. Piper says that Kaylee Ray, she's not telling the truth. She's beaten her so many times. She's beaten her in the UK, in Japan. She has her number, but Kaylee Ray says, you never faced this Kaylee Ray. And she also says, well you shouldn't trust this Kaylee Ray either and tries to attack Piper Nevins but Piper Nevins deflects it and Kaylee Ray just rolls out the ring so I'm pretty intrigued to see this match between these two I've seen them face before I think it was just once I haven't seen them face a thousand times but just once so the next week the title will be defended so that should be a pretty good match for the start um then we seen Isla Dawn versus Valkyrie it was a fast-paced start from the beginning for both women but you could definitely see that there's ring rust between the women and even the men because it's been a long time. It's been six months. I'm sure none of these people have stepped inside of a wrestling ring in such a long time. But you see Valkyrie pick up the win via pinfall. She does like a leg drop scissors kick off the top rope. It's pretty cool, but it's pretty scary. Because if she lands wrong, she's going to hurt herself. So that, that was a pretty interesting match. Uh, then they discussed the UK Heritage Cup tournament. They announced the rules. They talked about the contenders. Uh, so the contenders this year for the Heritage Cup, the first time this Heritage Cup is happening, it didn't happen before, will be A-Kid, Dave Mastiff, Noam Dar, Flash Morgan Webster, Joseph Connors, Alexander Wolf, Trent Seven, and that's who they announced. Those are seven people, which means we have one mystery person coming, and I don't know who that is. The rules also are there's six rounds, three minutes, and it's two out of three falls. So this is this is gonna be a pretty interesting tournament. We got high flyers, we got hybrids, we got powerhouses, we got technical wrestlers. But if I have to give it to anybody, I think I would give it to A Kid. A Kid is pretty underrated in the UK. People acknowledge him as a really good wrestler, and he busts his ass to get where he is. So I'm going to say A-Kid wins it, unless the mystery person is really good. It'll probably be like Pete Dunne or Tyler Bates. They teased uh, Pete Dunne being there next week, so I don't know who's going to be the mystery or the eighth person to join. But it should be an interesting tournament since it's the first ever Heritage Cup. I look forward to seeing you know the clash of styles in there. Now we're on to the main event, which is Noam Dar versus Ilya Dragunov. You know, Dragunov kicked off the match very aggressive. Dragunov is very skilled. He's an athletic wrestler he's technical he has power and such a small guy um you know noam dar took control mid-match targeting all dragon Oslin. you can hear dragon screaming at one point he was just counting on his fingers and i was like this guy is so loud but he's so good it didn't even bother me that much uh we seen dar hit a late flurry just to to get the near fall on Ilya dragon 
Now Dar, Dar's a really good competitor. We also seen him in the Cruiserweight Classic. He's an amazing technical wrestler. We've seen him fight Zack Sabre Jr. So we know this man can go. Both of these men, Dragunov and Noam Dar, they showed no ring rust. They just kept going. They made it seem like they were wrestling all throughout COVID. Um, late match, they exchanged chops and slaps and knees right in the middle of the ring. Then Ilya Dragunov hits a gotch-style suplex to get the near fall. Then Alexander Wolf comes out to cause a distraction. Then Dar gets the near fall off the distraction of Wolf. We all know Wolf is part of Imperium, so I'm sure he's trying to distract Dragunov so his mind can be somewhere else besides on Walter. Then we've seen Ilya Dragunov send Noam Dar into Wolf, which gives Ilya Dragunov the advantage. As soon as Noam Dar turns around, he ends up getting hit with the Moscow Torpedo, which is like a flying spear headbutt. It's ridiculous. So Ilya Dragunov picks up the win. After that, we see Walter make an appearance, and those two stare down. I've been waiting for this match forever. I've been watching Ilya Dragunov for a while. I've seen a lot of his matches. I've seen him fight P. Dunn at the Wembley Arena. I've seen him fight Finn Balor at Worlds Collide. I am a fan of this guy, and I think that he can fight and beat Walter. It might not take one Moscow missile, it might take 10, but we've seen Walter put on some real good classics with the likes of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates, Joe Coffey. So I'm excited to see Ilya Dragunov fight Walter. I hope Ilya Dragunov takes the title, Walter's had it. I know they want to make Walter the dominant guy. He is, but I think Ilya Dragunov deserves to hold the company on his shoulders for a while. I think he's busted his ass. I think he deserves a shot just to take that title from Walter. So this concludes our you know, analysis on NXT UK. NXT UK is only an hour long, so it doesn't give you a lot to go off of. I think it's just like one or two matches or three matches that happen on the show and then it's done. The show is basically more on promos and uh, just a little bit of action just because it's an hour. I wonder if they're going to make it long someday. I don't think they're going to do it now. But for now, this is how the reviews of NXT UK are going to go. They're just going to be short, Simple. I'll explain stuff if I need be. Um, you know, just like I did with Dragonoff and Walter. Maybe some of you may have not known that they were in a feud. Maybe some of you haven't watched UK yet. So I hope that some of you take some of this of what I said and give UK a try. UK is pretty good. So now we're going to move on to <clears throat> NXT. Uh, the show kicks off with Shotzi Blackheart versus Io Shirai. The match started off with both women trying to one up each other with counters and various pins. Now, let me say this match was fantastic. They were showing that they could put on an amazing match. And it was a really, really good match. Um, with, with tonight's match, uh, if they do fight again, I, I hope that it's at a takeover. And I feel like the match that they produced tonight was a takeover caliber match. There was like tons of big moves. There was even a super Karana. There was a German suplex off the apron which looked like it hurt. There was a ton of great transitions. Um, Io Shirai picked up the win with her over-the-moon moonsault. Hats off to both these women. It was a, a takeover feel match. They felt like they were fighting for the title, but they weren't. So hats off to Shotzi, hats off to Io. Um, I think that these two could put on the clinic. I think that they can have a match of the night at a takeover. I don't see anyone else right now fighting for the title. I don't see Rhea Ripley doing it right now. I don't see a Dakota Kai, a Tegan. I see Shotzi Blackheart going for that. So after Shotzi and Io, we've seen Tommaso Ciampa versus Desmond Troy. Now they showed like a recap 
of Tommaso Ciampa destroying Jake Atlas the other week. So we're seeing a new Ciampa, more vicious, more aggressive Ciampa. It's kind of like when he came back after his injury and, you know, he played the whole daddy's home thing. He wants his title back. Um, This match with Desmond Troy was a really quick match. All Ciampa did was hit his Willow's bell and it was over. After the match, Jake Atlas comes out and he tells Ciampa, like, listen, I'm going to show you how dangerous I am. He tells him next week they're going to go one-on-one. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's going to be like a super long match. I don't know if Ciampa's going to agree to it. William Regal might just make it. So we'll just have to see where that goes. I don't know if Jake... Jake Atlas is going to be his new rival or they're going to have a feud. I would like to see Champa go for a title or do something else, something different, but we'll just have to wait and see where that goes. After that, they went to a Finn Balor interview. Finn Balor says that he is the brand, that this brand is the best. There's no other brand that has a better title than this brand, than NXT. He said no matter if it's international, no matter if it's Raw, no matter if it's SmackDown, it could be UK. He says the best brand is NXT and that's where the champion is, the real champion. He also says something that I really liked. He said look both ways before you cross a prince. I thought that was a fantastic line. Uh, We've seen that Finn Balor was going to fight Walter before COVID. So I guess he had to mention a little bit of UK in there. But now he's the champion. So now I think him and Walter is done. But um, after that, we've seen Austin Theory have an open challenge. He says he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think Austin Theory is a Hall of Famer or even going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a good wrestler. He's talented, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have Hall of Fame qualities. Uh, We've seen Kushida answer his open challenge. He didn't waste no time. He attacked him instantly. We learned that Kushida hyperextended the Velveteen Dream's arm last week in that attack. This is a new side of Kushida, a more vicious side of Kushida. I like it. I feel like ever since he's came to NXT, he's done nothing. And that this is his moment to do something. Kushida was just targeting Austin Theory's arm the whole match until he tapped him out with a hoverboard Kimura lock. Now, I don't know what direction they're trying to go in with Kushida. I don't see him fighting for a title right now because he's feuding with the Velveteen Dream. And the Velveteen Dream hasn't held a title in forever since the North American Championship. So I don't really know where that rivalry is going to go. So we'll just have to wait and see like everything else. Um, after that, we've seen a Candice LeRae segment. Johnny's still mad about that TV. Said he's going to send Tegan a really big bill. He's also going to pick the biggest TV, 100-inch plasma. Then he also says that he's going to watch the Timothy Thatcher and Damian Priest match. And thank God the TV's not in HD so he doesn't have to see their ugly faces. It was also that next week will be a number one contender's battle royale for the women's championship. Candice LeRae says they're going to win. And Johnny says they're going to hold gold. They're going to hold all the gold as a couple. So Candice LeRae is claiming that she's going to win this. I don't think she is. I still don't understand why they're going to have this battle royale. I still think they should just give it to Shotzi Blackheart. But they might just give Shotzi Blackheart the battle royale win. Next, we see a tag team championship match between Brizongo versus Imperium. Imperium had new music. I don't know if it's because they rushed down to the ring to attack Brizongo that they gave him faster music just to speed it up a little bit, but I didn't like it, so I hope they stay with the old music. Imperium, they, they're angry at Brizongo. They say they're a joke. I think they're a joke too. I don't want them as tag team champions. Yeah, they're good as singles competitors. Tyler Breeze was fantastic on his own. So was Fandango. But as a tag team, they're just not there for me. They're just a joke. I think Imperium 
has meaning to their tag title run. Like they say, the mat is sacred for them. Uh, Imperium dominated the whole match since the beginning. There was one spot that I really liked the most. It was Bartel. He pushes Breeze off the top rope to Fabian, who catches him in a suplex position. That's strength to catch a man in the suplex position. But Breezango ended up picking up the win via roll-up from Tyler Breeze. So Imperium lost, but I feel like Imperium lost because NXT UK is back and they're probably going to go to fight Gallus for the tag titles. So I don't mind it. We probably won't see uh, Imperium on NXT right now or for a while while they go face Gallus or whatever tag teams over there for them to face. After that, we seen Jesse Kamea and Zana Lee versus Caden Carter and Casey Katzenzaro. Now, what I think about this match is it was just to put over Caden and Casey. Caden and Casey, they make a really good team. They had some really good tag offense. They look good. You could tell that Caden Carter is the powerhouse of the team. She did most of the heavy lifting. Casey Katzenzaro, she's the flat. She, she's the flipper, the athletic one. They won using a unique pin. I don't know the exact combination it was, but it was like two pins in one. Um, after the match... Zana Lee refused to show sportsmanship. Casey Katzenzaro and Caden Carter, they held their hand out. Zana Lee just pushed it away and was like, you know what? I'm out of here. What I'm trying to figure out is why are the international superstars always the bad guys? You got Kushida, who's now heel. You got uh, Io Shirai, Zana Lee. You got all these international people who are like becoming heels. But besides that, there's something I really want to talk about, and that's the Women's Tag Team Championships. I feel like NXT hasn't had their time to shine as the Women's Tag Team Champions. There has been only one team to really challenge for those tag team championships, and that was Shotzi Blackheart, and I think it was Tegan Knox. They were the only women to get an opportunity. Other than that, it's been Raw and SmackDown. I feel like it's time to shift those titles to NXT so the women over there have something to fight for, and then we'll have more teams over there. Other than that, they're trying to keep it to Raw and SmackDown. How many shots have NXT got? So I think they should transition into giving NXT women some more opportunities for those tag team titles. Because if not, then NXT women have nothing to fight for besides the women's title. While there's other people out there fighting for Raw, SmackDown, women's titles, and the tag team titles. I also think that Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox also had an opportunity. But still, that's still two people. So I feel like they should extend those titles more to NXT than just solely trying to keep it for Raw and SmackDown. But we'll move on to the next... Uh, segment. We've seen Drake and Killian Dane. Maverick has been looking for Dane all over. He says, listen, we're tag team partners. We're friends. Killian Dane says, we're not friends. I'm not going to help you tonight fight the UE. So Maverick is all alone once again. He's not getting it through his head that Killian Dane is not his friend. Uh, another segment was Tegan says that she wanted her friend back but that didn't happen. She also claims she's going to win the Battle Royale. So I think we're going to see a bunch of these little uh, women's segments, you know, saying they're going to win the Battle Royale across the weeks. Maybe not the weeks because it's next week. So I don't think, I think it's the last one we're going to see. After that, we've seen Undisputed Eva versus Maverick and Killian Dane. Two on one handicap match from the start. Drake Maverick, he's holding his own, but the number gains catching up to him. You, they pan to the back. You see Killian Dane just sitting there laughing while he's getting beat up. Until William Regal comes out of nowhere. He's like, you're really going to let that happen to your partner and Killian Dane's like what do you want me to do you want me to go to the ring so he goes to the ring he picks up Maverick tosses him in the ring and says here I helped you now leave me alone and he walks and if it wasn't for Roderick Strong he would have walked Roderick Strong said get out of here you fat ugly something and Killian Dane just came back and beat both him and Bobby Fish up 
until Bobby Fish used the chair to get disqualified. Now, I think that Drake thought that they were friends because they won. He's like, yeah, we're a team, we're a team. He smacks Killian Dane's chest and Killian Dane just pops him and and he just walks off. I don't think he's getting through his head. They're not friends, but I feel like it's going to be one of those Kane, Daniel Bryan situations where they're not a tag team, but then they suddenly become a tag team and they become really good friends. I think that's what's going to happen between those two. It's the Beast of Belfast and Mr. Rockstar Spud himself. Then we get a backstage segment with Jake Atlas, who says that Champa lit a fire under him. Then Champa attacks him from behind. You know, someone made the save, and I was pretty surprised on who made the save. And it was Kyle O'Reilly. At first, I'm like, why wasn't he with the UE tonight? I guess he was just chilling in the parking lot. But he stops Tommaso Champa, and he's like, this is a freaking parking lot. Like, what are you doing? Get out of here. And Champa leaves, and O'Reilly tells Atlas, he's like, you look, you okay? Yeah, you look okay. And then he just walks off. So do we see a Kyle O'Reilly singles run? I mean, I know he's still with the UE, but do we see him pursue a singles title like Roddy did? I don't think we'll see Bobby Fish do it. Kyle O'Reilly's been a single competitor before. He's fought Adam Cole many times for the ROH world title. So I think we might see just a snippet of a singles run. After that, William Regal announces a new match called the Elimination Gauntlet for next week's show to determine the number one contender for Finn Balor's NXT Championship. Now we are on to our main event of the evening, which was Damian Priest, who is our North American champion, against Timothy Thatcher. Uh, it was a pretty good match. Priest had switched up his style. He wasn't really leaving his feet that much. He was staying on the ground, throwing hard hits, doing power shots, which threw Thatcher off. Thatcher thought he was going to leave his feet a couple times, which he did. And when Damian Priest did leave his feet, Thatcher did catch him in a couple things. So Thatcher did have a plan. It came to fruition a couple times, but Damian Priest had switched up his uh. Uh, his tactics. I think Damian Priest is a really good champion. I think he should fight better people besides Timothy Thatcher. People who suit his style, like a Cameron Grimes, even Johnny Gargano. It doesn't have to be the same height. Uh, Bronson Reed. There's a couple guys that he could have really good matches with. We also seen um, Damian Priest pick up the win via his reckoning. What's next for Priest? Now that he's beating Thatcher, who's next in line? I think it might be Bronson Reed. I think that's the best competitor next because he has beaten in Austin Theory, he has beaten all the guys in front of him. So I would choose Braun Serena as his next challenger as staying on the show. So now we're going to move on to AW Dark. AW Dark was okay this week. You know, it's never really over the top, but it was okay this week. Our first match, we've seen Brandy Rhodes versus Red Velvet. Brandy Rhodes came out with her toy, Brand Brand. She didn't take Red Velvet seriously at all. She kept comparing her to the doll, saying she looked just like her. It wasn't until Anna Jay came out is where she got a little more serious. Then she won the match using Anna Jay's sleeper hold. So I guess Anna Jay is the key to Brandy at least being a little serious. I know they have something going on. I think we're going to see something with them next week. It might it might be next week. I'm not sure about that. After that, we've seen The Butcher and a Blade versus Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. We learned that The Butcher and Blade is 14 and 6 in 2020. That's a lot better than I thought they were. So that's pretty good. I, I hope they're in line for tag team titles. I said this before. Uh, Blackwood and Garcia hit a flurry to start the match, but Butcher and Blade weren't having it. They just beat them up. They turned that momentum easily. I gotta say that Blackwood looked very impressive. He was very agile. He was very athletic. He could move. He was fast. But Butcher stopped that quickly. He destroyed him with a crossbody. Then Butcher and the Blade win via full death. Also, Eddie Kingston was out there. I forgot to mention. He still never got eliminated from the Battle Royale. Don't ever forget that. 
The next match we see is Penelope Ford versus the mean girl Danny Jordan. Uh, this was a pretty short match. Sabian interfered in it. She showed Penelope Ford her burn page in the book. And then that pissed her off. She made Danny eat the page. And then picks up the win with her fisherman suplex. She was playing off a back injury. So they try to mention that, you know, she would have hit it a lot better if her back wasn't hurt. I don't think her back was really hurt. But I just think she couldn't get it because Danny Jordan, I think she kept pulling away. She probably didn't know the spot for a second. And it messed Penelope Ford up. Now don't get me wrong, Danny Jordan is not bad at all. I've seen her compete on Dark multiple times. She's put on good matches. I don't know why they ended this so quickly. Maybe they were just trying to get through the show. The show ended up being like an hour and a half today. So it was pretty long. And I don't know why it was so long. The next match after that was Brian Cage versus Megabyte Ronnie. For those of you who don't know who Megabyte Ronnie is, he's a world competitive eater. We've seen him on BTE eat the cake that was supposed to be given to Nick and Matt by uh, Brandon Cutler from Hangman Page. Uh, so he has his first match on AEW Dark against Brian Cage. It was a squash match. But there was one highlight that I want to point out in that match. Besides the fact that Ricky Starks was on commentary. Because him and Taz on commentary was pretty good together. Um, Megabyte Ronnie hits the people's hot dog. And don't steal my name because that's my name. I'm, I'm copywriting it and everything. Uh, so he basically did a people's elbow with the hot dog. As he ate the hot dog. So I thought that was pretty funny. So... It's the people's hot dog from now on. But Brian Cage ended up winning that match via drill claw. Then we see Santana and Ortiz versus Garrison and Pillman Jr. It was a tune-up match just for Ortiz and Santana just to gear them up for their parking lot brawl with best friends. Garrison, he still needs some work. He has good moves, but he was so sloppy. He was all over the place. He was forgetting spots. Pillman Jr. was carrying them. I think Garrison needs to get gets a little more work before he can be a little higher. I think Pillman Jr. is a little bit better than him. He had the spots down. He had the moves. He he was the backbone of that team for this match. But Santana Ortiz ended up picking up the win. After that, we've seen Jesse Sorison versus Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs is officially all elite. Congrats to Will Hobbs. I think he's a great addition to the roster. Will Hobbs won this match by a landslide. It was a squash match. We have two squash matches so far. He hit a beautiful spine buster and he hit his power slam for the win. So now that's two matches in a row on AEW Dark that Will Hobbs have won. It's interesting to see where his career is going to go from here. Uh, after that, we've seen Skylar Moore and Rache Chanel versus Diamante and Ivelisse. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This match wasn't entertaining at all. I wasn't a fan of it. It was really sloppy on the parts of, you know, Skylar Moore and Rache Chanel. But I will say Rache Chanel, she did impress me. I thought she was going to be terrible. But she was out the gate hitting Shining Wizard, spinning back L elbows so she impressed me a lot so i don't really have a lot to say about this match only thing i can say was diamante and ivalice picked up the win in the next match, we've seen Colt Cabana versus QT Marshall. Evil Uno came out with Colt Cabana. And after Colt Cabana went in the ring, the rest of the Dark Order came out. I think Colt is struggling with being with the Dark Order. I think he doesn't want to win dirty. He wants to win clean. Even though he joined them to win, he just does like the way they win. Um, there was a something that happened. Colt has QT in the corner. But instead of hitting QT, he had a clean break, which pissed off Grayson. And Grayson stormed to the ring. He's like, why didn't you hit him? Why Why are you letting him get out the corner cleanly? And Paul Cabana is just confused. He's like, I don't know what to do. You know, this is who I am. And then after that, we see 
5 and 10 distract Cole Cabana and the referee. So Stu Grayson could hit QT with a knee, which caused Cole Cabana to pick up the win. He didn't even notice. Or did he? I don't think he noticed. But I don't think Cole Cabana fits in that group. I think they want him to fit, but he's just not fitting at all. I think the storyline with it is that you could join the Dark Order and yeah, you could win. But is it really how you want to win? Is the Dark Order really the way you want to go? It's just the place you have to go in order to get where you want to go. I think that's where they're trying to go with it. You know, Colt was struggling with a win, but when he met the Dark Order, he started winning, but it wasn't how Colt wanted to, but he was still picking up the wins, if that makes any sense. So I think that's where they're trying to go. They're just trying to show you that he joined them, but it's just not working for him. Next on the card was an interesting one. It was Brandon Cutler versus Peter Avalon. Now, this is supposed to be the tiebreaker. Someone is supposed to get their first win. You got Peter Avalon, who's 0-26, and Brandon Cutler, who's 0-25. Someone has to win. No, no one wins. The match ends via countout. Now, I'm going to say that it's a good play on the story, and the match was a little better than I expected. They were doing really well. It was a really good match, but the story was even better. And now, they both left Leva Bates. No one took Leva Bates with them. So now what happens to Leva Bates? Does Leva Bates now wrestle again? Does she now go after something else? Does she start her own path? Does she show them how to win? I think they're going to try to do that with Leva Bates. But it was a really good play on the match. It was a really great story. I expected something to happen where they both end up having a tie. Either a double DQ. It was a double countout. So that was pretty... The, uh, that was the obvious choice for them to go with. So I'm pretty sure most of us seen it coming. Next on the card, we have Best Friends versus Max Stardom and Dante Smiley. We've seen a more serious Best Friends, just like we've seen the Pride and Powerful. They're just gearing up for that parking lot brawl they're supposed to have. This match was just supposed to be used as a, as a stable to show a different side of Best Friends. They were more aggressive this match. They didn't hug. They just fought and they just wanted to show off. Best Friends picked up the win. It was... A tune-up match. Like I said, AW Dark is just tune-up matches. Nothing really crazy. Sometimes it's just squash. But this one was just a tune-up match for best friends. After that was our main event. It was Dark Order versus the Gun Club and Private Party. I found something really funny. Austin Gunn came out and gave Taz a piece of gum. Just because of that gum club rib that Excalibur did on Taz a couple weeks ago. I thought that was pretty funny that he actually pays attention to that. Dark Order, they always look good. They dominated the whole match. Mark Quinn, fantastic. I think Mark Quinn is getting better and better day by day. I seen him push off Alex Reynolds' body so hard that he was able to go in the air and give a drop kick while still in the air. That's something I see in video games or like when Will Ospreay or Ricochet just runs off someone's body and does a backflip. I think he's getting more impressive every day and I like that about him. That shows that he's still growing along with Isaiah Cassidy. Dark Order though, they pick up the win. The stars of this match were Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Yeah, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, they were really good, but the stars were Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Their their finish of the fatality is fantastic. They're a really good team. I think soon we're going to see Dark Order with some gold, some tag team gold, because Mr. Brody Leary has a TNT title. I hope to see that they get gold soon. But AW Dark was okay. 
like I said, it's not a lot to go off of. It's usually an hour. I don't want to sit there and describe every single thing that happened during the match. Sometimes I'll hit the key points. Sometimes if it's not interesting, I'll let you know that it's not interesting. I'll tell you what's good. I'll give my opinions. I'll just go through everything. But like like NXT UK, AEW Dark is short. It's only an hour. It's not really much to go off of. But now we're going to move on to AEW Dynamite where there is a lot to talk about. So to kick off AEW Dynamite, we had Jurassic Express versus FTR. But before FTR was able to come out, the Young Bucks came out looking like they had something to say. But then they super kicked the referee. And then they walk to the back and throw money at Tony Khan because they know they were going to be fined for $5,000 each. I like these bucks. I like angry bucks. I like the heel bucks. I don't want them to be happy and jolly and all fun. I like this, the young bucks that just go around super kicking people like they used to do back in Bullet Club. But FTR does a great job of keeping Jurassic Express at their pace. We all know Jurassic Express is a fast-paced tag team. They like to go fast. But FTR made sure they kept it at their pace slow calculated and that's what I like about FTR their matches their their the way they wrestle is just how wrestling as a tag team should be Luchasaurus got the hot tag that changed the pace for a while there was also a lot of late match near falls at the end Luchasaurus was tossed into the crowd I don't know if it's by Dax or Cash but the numbers game called to Luchasaurus then Luchasaurus got rolled up by Cash who was being held by Dax so with him holding Cash that had the leverage towards the pin and Jungle Boy was unable to kick out which gave FTR the win with Tully Blanchard a backstage segment with Private Party and Matt Hardy Matt Hardy was laid out on the floor he was clutching at his leg then we see Hager and Jericho come out of nowhere it was these guys who doesn't think that it wasn't Hager and Jericho they also tell him that he should just put some ice on that so by them saying that you know it's instantly them they attacked someone before. I don't remember who they attacked, but they attacked someone before. I think it was Dustin Rose they had attacked way back when, when they were still feuding with the Elite. So they pan back to the ring and Omega's on commentary for the next match, which is Hangman Page versus Kazarian. Hangman's graphic this week read, no longer a tag team. Like I told you guys last week. If you look at those graphics, they say really funny things. Also, Excalibur mentioned that this match was offered to Omega as a tag team match for him and Paige versus Scorpio Sky and Kazarian, but he declined. Um, this match was very slow paced at the start, but it began to pick up. Kazarian was in control most of the match. You could tell that he's a veteran. He had a counter for everything Hangman did. Hangman didn't look sloppy, but you could tell like everything that's going on is affecting him. So it's changing. He wasn't very aerial this match. He didn't hit that that beautiful Arihara moonsault that he usually hits. He didn't really have that much offense, which brings me to the point that Kenny Omega just kept rubbing it in that Hangman's on his own. He also said Hangman is running out of moves, so he needs to put this match away quickly. So by the 10 minute mark, it got a little faster and Hangman won via Buckshot Lariat. So we've seen Kenny Omega be a little heelish and mock Adam Page. Is it potentially that we can see a feud between them? Are they going to fight eventually? But after the match, Omega leaves and Hangman looks for him. I think Hangman is trying to rekindle that that friendship, but he just can't get Omega to do it with him. So he feels all alone now. So I don't know what direction Paige is going to go in. Maybe they're going to make Paige fight Brody Lee because he had those issues with Dark Order. And then they're going to tease like Omega and him going to be back together. But then they don't because Omega's on his singles run, as he says. 
Um, the next match was MJF versus Sean Dean squash match. As soon as the match started, MJF poked him in the eye and put him in that Fujiwara armbar. And that was it. That was the end of the match. After the match, MJF cut a promo. He said he's still upset about the loss to John Moxley. He cheated. He would be champion if he didn't cheat it. He forced Justin Roberts to say something. I think he was the uncrowned champion, something like that. And then he also states that there's a new stable or faction every week. So maybe it's time for him to stop being a lone wolf and join a wolf pack. But at the end of the day, you will all still know that I'm better than you and you know it. So could we see MJF in a stable like the inner circle? I mean, the elites no more, so we can't see him in the elite. Um, I don't know what else stables there are in AEW besides Team Taz, inner circle. That's, that's pretty much it. I don't think there's anything else. So maybe he's going to create his own stable with his own people. We'll just have to find out. After that, Eddie Kingston and Friends, which is the Lucha Brothers and Butcher and the Blade, came out for a promo. Eddie Kingston says he has three points to make. One, he never lost the Battle Royale. He said it. He said it three weeks in a row. He has not lost the Battle Royale. Look up the rules. He also says they are not a they are not a stable. They're a family, and he says they're a family of violence. They're agents of chaos. Then he tells Butcher and the Blade to pull out people. And Butcher and the Blade start attacking people in the crowd. Well, the wrestlers in the crowd. We've seen them beat up Griff Garrison, Kent Blackwood, and Daniel Garcia, who we've seen on AW Dark. And then he says the last thing, and I found this pretty interesting, but I don't know what to make of it. He tells Blade it's time to get his house together. What does that mean? Get his house together. Is he referring to Ali, who he's married to in real life? Is he referring to QT, who's with Ali right now? Uh, as a kayfabe relationship in wrestling? Is it time to actually have her by his side? I don't know. Because if we remember, when Butcher and the Blade came in, Allie was with them. Allie is who introduced Butcher and the Blade. She was the bunny. So it's kind of interesting on what he meant by that. I can't wait to see what number three means. After that, we've seen Private Party versus Hangman Page and Chris Jericho. The announcers announced next week on the anniversary show there will be a six-man tag match between Archer and Moxley, and they'll get to choose their own teammates. It's interesting to see who they'll pick. I'm sure they'll pick them eventually later on tonight. Um, Private Party tonight showed a different style. I think they're upset that Jericho was hurt by Hager and Jericho, or so they assume. So they were really different. They were angry. They were attacking. We're seeing a lot of our tag teams show a mean streak, and I think that's pretty good for the tag division. They kept on Hager the whole match. They made sure he didn't have no offense. The match was longer than I expected. I thought it was going to be over within like five, six minutes, but... It wasn't. You've seen loads of offense. Isaiah Cassie was playing off a back injury. He also did a great reversal on the Judas effect. It wasn't a reversal, but he dodged it. He, I believe he did like a flip, and Jericho tried to swing that thing so fast that he ducked under it. But he ended up hitting it later on the match, which led Jericho and Hager to pick up the win. After the match, Jericho attacked an injured Cassidy, putting him in the walls of Jericho. And Mark Quinn stormed in and gave a Pele kick to Jericho, knocking him out and just staring at him. He looked so angry, like, get out of this ring. And Hager just took Jericho. Jericho to the back. So is it good to have Jericho and Hager win against these tag teams who's been fighting so hard for a tag team championship opportunity? I don't think it is. I think it just downplays the guys who are working really hard for it, who's been working hard since the start. Like I stated many, many weeks ago, real tag teams are getting sat down upon by tag teams who are just forming, who are singles competitors making tag teams. 
So I think this hurts the division a lot. Uh, we'll just have to see where it pans out and see if they actually take the titles off FTR, which I don't think it is. I don't think FTR is going to let them take the titles off of them. After that, we've seen Ivelisse versus Thunder Rosa for the NWA Women's Championship. I think this is the third time we see Thunder Rosa in AEW, but this time she's defending her championship on TNT television. I think that's the first time for that. Both women looked even in this match to start. It was a really good match. Thunder Rosa has a mean streak, and she just looks like she's always trying to really hurt you. And I think that's what I like about her. I think that's that Mexican style of wrestling that she has. It just makes it look so realistic. There were so many counters, so much back and forth. There was a lot of communication and a lot of chemistry in this match. I think this is probably the third best women's wrestling match I've seen this week. And the first one was the Natalia, not Natalia, it was Mickey James and Asuka. The second one was Shotzi Blackheart and Io Shirai. And now there's Diamante and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Thunder Rosa won via Tombstone. I didn't even know she had that in her arsenal, but she does. She won via that. It was a really strong match. Probably one of my one of my favorite matches so far. Um, Diamante then attacks Thunder Rosa from behind, which leaves Sheeta to make the save. And then Sheeta holds the title, the NWA Women's title. And she's looking at it and she's like, hmm, we fought for my title. Now let's fight for your title. So are we going to see Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa 2? Or eventually will we see a winner take all? So that way now NWA and AW can now combine as a joint company not not together you know but they get to have a partnership like ROH and New Japan. After that, we've seen a backstage segment with Kip and Miro. Miro's sitting there working out, looking all brolic. I don't know if those were fake weights. They looked pretty real. He had a lot of plates on there. And then he had Penelope Ford spotting him. So I don't know if those were real weights. But Miros gets up and he's like, I want to fight already. But Kip says, you know, we have something more important to do. And that's this bachelor party. And you know what? Rusev is like, mm, okay, that's fine. We can do this bachelor party. Then they drop a little Call of Duty Warzone little Easter eggs. And he's telling him he should have used the growl. But Kip Sabian's like, I want to use the car 98, but next time I'll try it. So that they have some pretty funny dialogue. Then we see Archer and Jake Roberts go to the ring for a promo. Archer has a cool entrance coming out just beating people up i think that's what i like about him that's what i say if he doesn't win this title that badass look just goes out the window he becomes nothing like he's the murder hawk monster this guy just comes out beating people up there's no reason why he should be losing a moxley jake roberts says that he's made a deal that he wants team taz to be archer's partner so he wants brian cage and the absolute ricky stark to be john moxley's opponents and to side with lance archer then john moxley interrupts he makes his entrance up at the stands then i noticed i was like that looks like ricky starks behind them dressed as a like a little crowd person and then he gets attacked by ricky starks and brian cage and guess who makes the save no it's not darby allen it's will hobbs will hobbs was just signed and now he's making big moves already i knew they had big things planned for him so it's really cool to see that now he's integrated into a big storyline such as John Moxley and Lance Archer. So Archer's team next week will be Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and himself against John Moxley, Will Hobbs, and John Moxley says, Darby Allen, get your ass over here to Daly's place. It's time to go to war. So that's going to be a pretty, pretty stacked six-man tag. Also announced for next week, Orange Cassidy versus Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. 
I, I don't know how I feel about this. I seen Brody Lee destroy Cody Rhodes in like three seconds. I don't want to see him destroy Orange Cassidy in three seconds. This guy just got a big push and endorsement from Jericho. I don't want to see him lose that so quickly. Um, now we're on to our main event. Best Friends versus Santana and Ortiz in a parking lot brawl. Now I'm going to go through all the points of this match. This was probably the best street fight I've seen in such a long time. JR said it too. He said it's the probably the best street fight that I've ever called. So we seen Trent destroying Ortiz with the hood of a car. Then Chucky e. T does a senton onto that same hood. So these guys are sacrificing their body early. Best friends came to fight. Santana was then thrown into a mirror, which he got busted open when you seen him. Ortiz suplexed Chucky e. T onto a car. Then Santana follows up with a splash on top of the hood. So these guys are risking their bodies. This guy jumps from a truck and splashes onto another man on a hood. The hood just dented in everything around that car was dented because these guys had utilized everything then there was a spear through a door a wooden door that got into uh i think it was trent's arm that cut him so you can see trent bleeding from his shoulder it was a gruesome match within the first three minutes there was blood within three minutes these guys were fighting they were beating each other up uh then there was a suplex given to ortiz on a metal barricade ortiz then gave trent the power bomb on top of a car so many cars were destroyed I, I hope they have insurance because these cars were totaled after these guys was finished with them then they put trent through a windshield and oh jesus the, his back you can see the glass stuck in his back like that wasn't a fake windshield these are real cars these guys are really sacrificing their bodies this was more of a hardcore match than it was a street fight or a parking lot brawl he he just started bleeding instantly there was blood on the concrete as if there was like a murder or something after that that orange cassidy comes out of the trunk to save chucky e. t and he hits santana with an orange punch he had chains wrapped around his fist so it knocked uh santana out cold after orange cassidy knocked santana out he lifted him up and brought him to chucky e. t who then delivered a pile driver to him on the hood of a car and then trent hits a dude buster on a truck through a piece of plywood on Ortiz and they pick up the victory and they barely could stand after the match. I don't even think I've seen Santana and Ortiz move. These guys legit for the seven, eight minutes gave every piece of their body to that match. They dedicated their body to that storyline, their blood, their sweat, their tears. And I thought that was a fantastic match. And I'm glad we got to see that rivalry end on such a spectacular note. After that, we seen Sue make an appearance. She picks Trent and Orange Cat and Chucky e. T up in her white minivan. She has a new minivan apparently. And as she's driving away, she stops the car. And I'm like, why is she stopping? She sticks out the middle finger and then AEW goes off the air. I think AEW this week was fantastic. I think it played so well on so many storylines. It created new storylines. It ended storylines. I think the Archer-Mox rivalry is going to go way better than we think. I think that Will Hobbs is going to be a big player when it comes to AEW. Darby Allen makes his return next week. It's it's a lot. It's crazy. And now, I'm especially excited for Sheeta and Thunder Rosa again. They put on a phenomenal match back at All Out. So, I think they're going to put on another good match. There's so much that can go on 
on with this show and so much that they're playing on. I'm even excited to see what happens with the Bucks next. Are we still going to see cleaner Omega? We haven't seen anything yet. We've seen signs of heel turn Omega, but we haven't seen anything yet. So we got to pay attention to the next upcoming weeks and we're going to see a lot of new stuff. Now we're going to move on to our final show of the podcast. And that final show is always SmackDown. It was their 1,100 episodes today. The show kicks off with the dirt sheet with The Miz and Morrison. They're talking about getting Mandy traded to Raw. It says that Mandy was a distraction to Otis, that, you know, now he can focus on being the Money in the Bank winner. Then we see Otis interrupt and attack The Miz and Morrison. Miz tries to escape, and then Tucker, out of nowhere, just throws him back in the ring. And then Otis does the caterpillar to him. And then he leaves the ring just plays back onto what I was saying before. The Miz is now a joke character and I hate it. I hate the fact that he's a joke character. I also hate the fact that John Morrison is a joke character. I feel like these two shouldn't be joke characters. These are two big stars and you need stars but you're making them joke characters. I'm just not a fan of Otis I'm not a fan of the way this is going. I'm just not a fan of this in general. After that, we've seen Grand Metal League versus Cesaro. There's still cracks in the Lucha House Party. Uh, we've seen a little video package of them giving advice to Grand Metal League, and they were both arguing to each other on who's going to give him the best advice. Um, that also played a part during the match. They caused a distraction to Grandmother Leak, who ended up losing the match after Kalisto and Lince Dorado got kicked out the match for interfering in the match. Why are they still doing this segment? Just break them up already. Stop teasing the breakup and break them up already. There's no point on keeping them. You're not giving them tag team titles. You're not giving them a singles run. And even Lince Dorado posted on his Instagram of him without the mask. Is he going to join the Hijo de la Fantasma or, or Legado de Fantasma? I don't know, but I hope that that group just breaks up and they figure out something to do with all of them. After that, we get a segment of Matt Riddle showing his emotion saying bro a thousand times. So there was sad face bro and happy face bro. I, I, I'm just not a fan of Matt Riddle. Uh, I don't like the bro thing. I'm just not a fan of his work. Um, you know what I'm saying? People like him. People think he's a really good wrestler. I'm not saying he's not a good wrestler. I'm just not a fan of his work. I just He just doesn't appeal to me. I, I hate the bro thing. I just think it's a terrible gimmick. I don't really even see myself ever getting involved with it. But some people do. Some people like Matt Riddle. Some people think Matt Riddle is going to be one of the best. I don't think Matt Riddle is going to be like a super champion. I don't think he's ever going to have like a WWE championship. Might have an Intercontinental, might have a US, but might even have the 24-7, but a world title, I don't think that's in his future. He'd never even got an NXT title, so I don't think he has, like, super, superstar power. He just has, you know, regular wrestler power. Um, then we move forward to a moment of bliss with the guest being Nikki Cross. Bliss says Nikki hasn't beaten Bailey since last year. Nikki responds with, well, this is different. Now she doesn't have Sasha, so now I don't need eyes in the back of my head to make sure Sasha's not there. So, I truly think Nikki's gonna win. I really give this to Nikki. Without Sasha... I think Nikki's going to finally capture the gold. And I think Sasha's going to cost Bailey the belt. I've said this last week. I feel it in my soul. She's going to make her lose it so she could feel what it feels like to lose something. And then Nikki says, 
What's going on with you, Bliss? You know, you hit me with the sister Abigail last week. What's up with you? And Alexa Bliss says, it's just something I can't control. I don't know what's going on with me. Then Lacey Evans comes out, calls them a nasties, says that Nikki's too nice. She won't beat Bailey since she's too nice. Then Nikki takes, I think it's a rag or a towel or a tissue and blows her nose in and throws it at her. And then a brawl ensues, which leads to an impromptu Nikki versus Lacey Evans match, which Nikki wins. Uh, it wasn't really that interesting. I feel like they downplayed Lacey Evans throughout her career so far, and she could be so much better. But this one, it was just a regular match. Nothing really crazy. No, no highlights. The highlight was the end of the match where she's crawling to an announce table and she says, where's the fiend now to Alexa? And then... She snaps, and that's her trance word, the fiend, and she hits the sister Abigail and Lacey Evans. So now we know that Alexa's Bliss's word is the fiend. So let's see how they play with that uh, on the upcoming week. Then they cut to a Paul Heyman bloodline promo video package, whatever you want to call it. They're talking about all the dynasties, all the lineages in wrestling, you know, the Orton's and, you know, Cody Rhodes, you know, stuff like that. Um, uh, they didn't mention Cody, but they just talked. I'm just mentioning all the bloodlines that's wrestling. And then he says, you know, the most important one is Roman's bloodline, the Samoan bloodline. It, you could tell that Roman was destined to be, you know, with his father, uh, Asika, and, you know, his cousin, The Rock, and Rikishi, who is Jay and Jimmy's father. They even mention Umaga. So he's just saying that Roman was destined to be who he is because of his bloodline. Now we're on to the Sasha interview, what most of us have been waiting for. You know, they ask her, like, how does she feel? And then she's like, how do you think I feel? You know, at least I'm still standing here. She also says Bailey was using her and now she's just nothing to Bailey. You know, Sasha was fantastic. She made it seem real. I would have thought that this was a real segment. You would have thought that she really betrayed her in real life. Sasha made it feel real and that's what I liked about it. But Sasha's always been a great speaker. She's always been great on the mic. Then, out of nowhere, Bailey hits Sasha with a chair and then puts it around her neck again. But she wasn't able to hit it this time because people were able to stop it. So now, will Sasha be the cause of Bailey losing her belt? Yes, I think so. I think that Bailey's going to lose everything because of Sasha. And then they're going to fight each other at Hell in a Cell. And it's going to be a really good match. So... They're still going to play off Sasha being hurt until, I guess, I think Class of Champions is next week or the week after. I'm not pretty sure about that. But it's soon, and I, they're going to take that title from Bailey because of Sasha. After that, we see AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn. AJ Styles attacks Sami from behind after he goes up to the ring announcer and tells him, like, hey, why are you not announcing me as the real Intercontinental Champion? I'm the champion. And, you know, Sami hasn't lost a step. He looked really good. He hit his nice blue thunder powerbomb. He hit a couple really good offenses uh his turnbuckle suplex he looked really good he hasn't lost a step but he tries to cheat and hold the tights of aj styles but the referee sees it and then aj styles slips the script and holds his tights but the referee doesn't see it this time so then he goes complaining to the ring announcer saying hey well i lost but say this is a non-title match and then next thing you know jeff hardy comes out attacks styles and Sami Zayn. i don't know why he attacked styles but he did and then he starts to bring out ladders and tables and chairs and i'm like up oh. 
It's a TLC match. And then he goes in the ring and he's like, I'm tired of this bickering. I'm tired of people saying I'm the false champion and I'm a cheater and I can't do this. Well, now we're going to fight in a triple threat ladder match at Clash of Champions. So we don't have a TLC match. We just have a regular ladder match. So I guess that's a good take. Um, you know, Sami Zayn deserves to be champion. He never really lost it. Like I said, he deserves it. And I think he's going to win it. Uh, I don't see Jeff winning it. Maybe. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a death-defying guy. He's been in so many ladder matches. He has the experience. I don't think Styles really cares if he wins the title or not. But if he does, then I guess it's just another accolade for him. Uh, then there was a backstage segment with Otis. Otis has been served a lawsuit. Again, to this joke, this joke, I don't like it again. He's now been served a lawsuit. Apparently, The Miz and Morrison fought the lawsuit the dirt sheet is considered a real news program so you know they're blocking his first amendment right then tucker says no otis says tucker we're in some deep stuff and tucker says no otis you are so and then they also say that if he doesn't forfeit the money in the bank then they'll sue him so is that the way of wwe taking the money in the bank off him or is that just the gimmick or the storyline they're gonna go with then we see in a backstage segment of Sheamus talking to Baron Corbin. He was talking to Baron Corbin about the, the match that they're having. Baron Corbin was showing him his staff and it looks like a little mace. So the security guard who set up Big E comes to Sheamus and he's like, hey, I've been talking about you, fella. And then he's like, well, Mr. Sheamus, your car is being towed. So Sheamus goes out to the same parking lot that he attacked Big E in and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And there's a big guy who has a security shirt on and you can just tell it's Big E. So he turns around and he starts to attack Sheamus. But Sheamus was able to get away so instead of beating up Sheamus he beat up the security guard who set him up he put him through a windshield with a belly to belly and then threw him in the trunk Adam Pierce had to come over and stop the attack and he even kicked Big E out the building. So we're going to see a Sheamus and a Big E feud. It might be a street fight. It's going to be something that involves cars. It's going to be something that involves uh, no disqualification because of the stipulations that they've been fighting under. And Sheamus has really nothing to do. He's not fighting for a title. So just have him feud. Make it a street fight. They're clearly getting really physical. So I say that's the direction you go in. After that, they show the mystery blonde woman again. They tease Sheamus in her face she turns around but then there's a mirror in her face so we still don't know who it is i'm still gonna go with carmella i don't know if it could be anybody else i don't think it's charlotte but i'm gonna go with carmella and i'm sure everyone else is going carmella after that it was the main event of the evening it was jay uso and roman reigns versus sheamus and baron corbin in a samoan street fight roman comes out first Heyman has a microphone in his hand and roman reigns just holds his hand out roman reigns then says i came out first because i didn't want anybody to be confused that this is my yard this is my island so roman reigns just wanted to come out first because jay uso came out first last week and he needs to remind people that it's his island and it's not Jay's. So Jay comes out after him and then the, everyone else comes out. Roman Reigns had a lot of heel moments in this match. Uh, he threw Baron Corbin into an announce table. He also threw the announce chair at him. He hit a low blow on Sheamus and then he speared Sheamus through a barricade. Now Roman Reigns has been great as a heel. Also when you think about it if you really watch this match Jay Uso wasn't in it at all. He was taken out in 
the beginning. It was just Roman fighting off two guys by himself, just like last week. So it's the same thing that Jay had to do. Now Roman is doing, except Roman is holding his own really well. So the finish was Jay Uso capitalizes off Roman Reigns' spear on Sheamus and hits a splash on him to pick up the victory. So he basically flipped the script on Roman and stole the win like Roman did last week on him. And they're playing this perfectly. I think this feud is becoming fantastic. And then at the end, Jay picks up the title and he's staring at it. He's staring at it. And then he starts laughing and then he throws it at Roman. And he's like, nah, I'm just playing, man. Here's your title. And then they hug and Roman's laughing and Jay's laughing and they're having a good time. They look like they're happy. And then Jay's walking off and Jay's like, come on, let's go this way. Come on, let's go. And when he turns around, Roman looks so pissed. I don't think Roman's gonna Roman's gonna go so easy on him at Clash of Champions. I think that he's really hating the fact that he's taking it so lightly just because they're family. And they're playing this story really well, and Jay's doing a really good job selling it, and so is Roman. I believe that uh, Roman Reigns is going to really destroy this guy just because he thinks that since they're family, he's gonna go easy on him. So that concludes SmackDown. SmackDown just leaves you wondering what's gonna happen next in the sense of what's gonna happen between the Fiend and Alexa Bliss are we going to see them together at some point is he going to make an appearance when she tries to attempt a sister Abigail or when someone says his name what's going to happen with Roman and Jay is they're going to is Roman going to keep pretending that he's happy and that this is fun for him or what's going to happen between Sasha and Bailey is it going to get worse is Sasha going to get better is she still going to be out until Clash of Champions there's a lot that's going to go on there's a lot that I want to have happen uh, the storylines are playing good I just hope to see more of it I'll tell you what I don't hope to see is more Otis Miz and Morrison I don't want to see that segment anymore I hope after this fake lawsuit stuff it is over and we never have to hear about Otis again in a rivalry with the Miz or Morrison so that concludes the end of this podcast I hope you guys enjoyed it as I said in the beginning we are now at a hundred plus downloads you know if you want to reach me if you want to contact me if you want to give me any advice any critiques anything I can do better you can message me on Twitter at wrestling from you can also reach me on Facebook by my real name Ray Colazzo and if you know if you you got any fans family members anyone who likes wrestling share my podcast get me out there show the world that there's someone out there who gives you wrestling podcasts who gives you the truth who tells you the ins and outs just share me and if they like me they'll watch me if they don't i'll still continue to do what i do for people who do love wrestling as much as i do so thank you this has been episode three of wrestling from the crowd my name is ray Colazzo, and thank you for listening